0: what's up everybody welcome to episode nine of big league chewing a baseball podcast my name is mike brown thank you so much for tuning in as always it's great to be back first new show of 2020 officially and i'm super excited to get into everything that's been going on later on in the show I will be talking to Claiborne Snowden. Claiborne is a uh, frequent contributor to the Locked On Reds podcast. So be sure to check that out and be sure to stick around for my conversation with Claiborne as we talk about the Reds offseason so far and where he sees them in that uh, increasingly more interesting uh, NL Central in 2020. But first things first, the Nationals can just continue to pick up everybody basically um they've added a ton of roster depth and interestingly enough maybe this kind of puts them out of the josh donaldson race so this week and over the last week or so uh re- most recently they signed eric thames uh they signed starling castro they re-signed as Dribble cabrera they also picked up will harris uh from the astros and they also re-signed daniel hudson of course hudson made the last out uh, last few outs of the 2019 World Series. So, a couple notes on those uh, those players that are that they're picking up. Certainly Castro and Isdrubel Cabrera. It seems like with Castro, they I don't know where they're going to put him. Um, I mean, obviously that probably takes them out of the running for Josh Donaldson as as well as Cabrera because both could probably play second or third base. Um, I believe they also re-signed Howie Kendrick. So. They got a lot of pieces there, um, a lot of veteran, older pieces um, going into 2020. I thought Will Harris was a nice pickup. Uh, It's kind of ironic that he ends up joining the Nationals, the team that beat him in the 2019 World Series, but I think he's a solid pickup. I think the years are a little long on that deal. I'm not sure how many years that was for, but um, I think he's a solid uh, piece. It seems like the Nationals every season are always looking for Uh, for bullpen help. Uh, Their bullpen was pretty atrocious at the first half of last season. Um, And it's been atrocious. It it was atrocious for a couple previous seasons before that too. So I think Will Harris is a nice, nice add. And of course, Daniel Hudson, um, who recorded the last few outs of that World Series comes back on a two-year deal. Um, So, you know, I I think the Nationals are going to be good. Um, I'm not sure how they fit into the AL East, kind of like the Mets this year. I uh, obviously still like the Braves and the Phillies are going to be, you know, interesting. Um, I'm not sure how good they're going to be, but they're, they're, they're going to be competitive. So the NL, the NL East is going to be very interesting again um, in, in 2020. Uh, we've also learned that Nick Castellanos uh, is a finalist. Uh, the Rangers have him as a finalist uh, or he's, sorry, he's a finalist assigned with the Rangers um, which would uh, immediately insert him into that outfield mix uh, after they uh, traded away Nomar Mazzara um, obviously Castellanos, I think the reason why it's taken him so long to sign this winner is partly due to his defense uh, his his defense is definitely a liability, whether he's at third or whether he's in left field um, but obviously he has an elite bat um, the Cubs definitely saw that towards the end of the, the last half of last season. So uh, Castellanos is on the radar of the Rangers. Be interesting to see who else uh, jumps in on that. Apparently the Donaldson sweepstakes is nearing a close, or I believe it's nearing a close. I think the Twins are out, the Rangers are out. So it just seems like it's a perfect, um, you know, it's it's it seems like the Braves are probably going to get it done. I just don't know how. Um, mainly because the, the contract he's looking at at getting, he's he's trying to ask for about a hundred million dollars. Um, and I just don't think the Braves uh, would be willing to spend spend it and would be willing to spend it on him uh, as he continues to age. Uh, he is only a season away or two seasons away from having uh, a, sh- a shortened season when he was when he uh, when he was with the Blue Jays and then he got traded to the Indians. I think he missed quite a few games that season and I think that was only in twenty eighteen. So he is only a year away from that that kind of injury shortened season. Uh, obviously, he had an elite season last year, but again, uh, father time is uh, <laughs> knocking considerably hard for Josh Donaldson, but the reports are that he wants a four-year, 100 million-plus deal. So we'll see where he ends up in the next, uh, probably the next few days here. Last, but definitely not least, the Red Sox are uh, uh, mired in another uh, scandal. And this time, it has to do with Red Sox players, uh, allegedly, during the 2018 regular season only, not during the postseason, were entering the video room uh, during games, which is, I guess, behind the dugout, uh, entering the video room and stealing signs from the video room, coming back up, relaying that those signs to someone uh, on the base paths, who in turn would give the signs to uh, the batter. Um, so obviously... We have, again, another instance of a team using technology to cheat, to steal signs. Um, You know, we know that sign stealing has kind of been a part of the game, but more of the organic variety, more of kind of the runner on second base uh, peering in and seeing what he he can get uh, from the catcher and relaying that to the hitter. So in in the case of the Astros, in the case of the Red Sox, this is kind of going a step further. Um, I think the Red Sox violation... Is a lot less uh, egregious uh, than the Astros violation. Uh, You had the Astros basically uh, installing their own camera, apparently, and uh, cheating kind of in real time. Whereas the Red Sox, it seems, are going into the video room down uh, beyond the dugout. They're looking, uh, examining the catcher. They're looking at the signs. They're heading back up, back upstairs to the dugout. Um, and from the dugout, they are relaying signs to base runners to then relay to the the, the hitter. So, I mean, to me, um, I think both are just straight up cheating, both the, the Astros in 2017 using the trash cans and using the live feed from the center field camera, if in fact that actually is what happened. Um, and this Red Sox uh, video room scandal, um, they're both uh, degrees of cheating, so... Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of punishments come down for both teams. Uh, I think we're expected to see what the punishment is for the Astros uh, very shortly here. I think MLB is wrapping up their investigation. So we. it'll be interesting to see what MLB levies down on the Astros and what kind of ramifications that has uh, for other teams, for the Red Sox. Uh, you know, I have a sneaky suspicion that uh, the Red Sox and the Astros aren't the only teams doing this. Um, so I think over the next few seasons, over the, over the course of this season, even perhaps, uh, there will be a f- definitely a few more teams that, have, that, that will get caught doing this. And it's just something that MLB is going to have to handle very swiftly uh, so that you know teams stop doing this or teams uh, don't continue to do this uh, into the future. And right now, I'd like to play for you my interview with Claiborne Snowden. Again, Claiborne is a frequent contributor to Locked on Reds, a great Reds podcast. We talk all things uh, Reds offseason moves, as well as looking forward to the Reds in 2020. Enjoy. So I'm now joined by Claiborne Snowden. Claiborne is a contributor for the Locked on Reds podcast. Claiborne, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing all right. I appreciate you all having me on the podcast tonight. No problem. So
0: let's get started with kind of the latest transaction um, that the Reds have have, 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 uh, have pulled off here. Uh, they've recently agreed to terms on a three-year, $21 million deal with uh, Japanese outfielder Shogo Akiyama. Uh, so give me your immediate thoughts on that and what that does for to an already kind of uh, crowded uh, Reds outfield.
1: Right. Well, the outfield is for sure crowded. Um, Adding him is going to be a a welcoming addition, though, as he has been just an on-base machine um, over in Japan. I mean, he's had almost hovering right around, if not over, um, 400 on-base percentage. So he's somebody who can slot into the top of the lineup for the Reds. Um, He's a little bit older. He's not exactly that prospect age at 31. Some people say he probably doesn't have the range to play center anymore, but... I mean Shin Chu played center at Great American ballpark. I think right. Akiyama would be able to do it as well. So I'm not too concerned there. Maybe in the latter part of his contract, but um I really like the signing. Um it's a lot of people will talk about oh well will it will it translate over to the MLB. Um having a good eye like that plays in any level of baseball. So sure, I, sure. I think it's I think it's definitely a welcoming a, you know, welcoming addition for the Reds. Right.
0: So talk to me kind of so, – so the Reds' lineup uh, this offseason is kind of, uh, you know, undergoing some some big changes, um, you know, including the signing of Mike Moustakis. So talk to me about the Moustakis signing um, and how that's going to really, um, you know, affect the middle of that lineup now.
1: Sure. Um, when they signed it's kind of – some people kind of thought out of left field. it's just kind of came in and everyone's like, okay, well, I guess he's going to play second. He's primarily been a third baseman, has played a few different positions, and with the Brewers, they play him second. But um, he's a huge upgrade in terms of the bat for second. We had Scooter, who right. we claimed off ra- waivers from actually the Brewers, and he had some good moments. Um, but once he got injured, there was a Van meter, Jose Peraza. was kind of revolving door at second base of different players and never really took off. Um Last year, I mean, Moose had 35 home runs, uh, 3.2 war, 114 OPS plus. And, of course, everyone's going to say, well, how about the defense? Right. The Reds are showing that defense is a secondary thought to them. I mean, I hate to sound <laughs> negative, but, right. I mean, when you think about it, um, they put Sinzel in center, who never played center. Not that he was bad. You know, they yeah. had Winker, who's definitely not a good outfielder in the outfield. They put Jose Peraza in the outfield and center field, I mean, they've done some defensive moves that show we value hitting more than defense. Right. I don't think he's going to play second base his entire contract. Um, we'll see what happens there, but yeah, I don't think he's going to be bad. And honestly, it's not like the other options that the Reds fielded out there last year were, you know, glove first type of guys.
0: Sure, sure, and you got to feel like Mustakis in Great American Ballpark, you know, has has potential to hit like forty home runs in that ballpark. Um, so you gotta, sure. you gotta, you gotta like that signing a lot.
1: Yeah, um, and he's one of those guys that everywhere he goes gets nothing but rave reviews about how he is as a clubhouse guy, and right. um, he's one of those players that I think a lot of just common fans probably don't know too too much about because he played in Kansas City, which no matter how good they are, it just seems like they struggle to kind of get you know, their names out there. Yeah. Um, and people that do know about him, it just seems like one of those guys, everyone kind of likes. So I think it's going to be a welcoming addition. Um definitely going to be not nearly the fan favorite splash that Puig was last year when everybody was just so, you know, enthralled by Puig's antics and social media and for better or for worse. But, uh, Moose is going to be awesome. Um, I really think he'll do well. He is 31 years old as well. Um, so, you know, they're bringing in, finally, the Reds are starting to bring in some talent that's proven more in their prime. Um, and a lot of people are upset with the contract being four years and that much money. That's just sometimes what you have to do. Sure, to pull sure. them away from other teams, you have to give them a contract that makes most sense for them. And that's part of it. And that's yeah. just how it works. And the sooner fans can realize that and accept that, the sooner they'll be able to just enjoy the years that are the most productive
0: so shifting from the lineup to the rotation um you know i think the reds surprised a lot of people when they traded for trevor bauer um you know they signed sonny gray last offseason um so you know this this rotation has the makings of to be one of the better in the in the national league um give me kind of your expectations for the rotation in terms of like where you see guys like iglesias moving up to in terms of his potential and kind of just across the board Scalafani, uh those guys
1: yeah so it's funny um Castillo, Luis Castillo, was incredible last year. One of the best changeups, 4.4 war, um, 3.4 ERA. We actually got him in a trade with Miami for Dan Straley, who we acquired off waivers. Of and he was just, Castillo was kind of the ace-type player. Sonny Gray was a trade from the Yankees that we signed, 5.6 WAR, 2.87 ERA. He reunited with his old pitching coach, From Vanderbilt, Derek Johnson, who's now the pitching coach with the Reds, and they really seem to connect and work things out. Then you got Trevor Bauer, who kind of had a lot of different mixed reviews on what people think of Trevor Bauer. Kind of a rough time with the Reds last year, but we all know the talent's there, so it's just more or less if he can get that together. It's a big offseason for him as well. As I think most people know, he kind of talks about wanting to do one contract years and some more obscure contractual stuff. Um, Anthony DiScafani actually is qu- quietly one of the more steady pitchers when he can stay healthy. and Right. Um, he's just a solid 4 or 5 guy and uh, 2.6 WAR, 383 ERA. Um, just a really good kind of solidify the back end of the rotation. And then Wade Miley was picked up as well. Right. Um, and everybody knows what he did with Milwaukee two years ago. His pitching coach then, Derek Johnson, who is now the pitching coach for the Reds. So hopefully reuniting them um, can bring some of the similar success. He did struggle. A lot of people look at his numbers last year and be like, okay, it was okay. But like he had an awful September that really skewed some numbers. Yeah. Overall, he had a pretty decent year. And um, then you have Tyler, Tyler Malley, who was a fifth starter last year as the sixth guy. You're going to need that. Contending teams – if you want to be a playoff team, you're going to need more than five starters. No one's going to last all year healthy. So yeah. having a guy who's still young and has some experience who did okay as showed some flashes is always good.
0: Right, right. So talk to me then about uh, Joey Votto then, who is kind of you know Mister Red over the last decade. Um, you know he was I saw him appear in a few in a few top 10, uh, first baseman um, rankings of the decade. Obviously, he had a huge decade. Um, he had a bit of a down season in 2019. So talk to me about what you project to see from Votto in 2020.
1: Right. Um, this is another situation where fans should take a step back and remove their Reds cap and say, you know, what do we expect from 36 going to be 37 by the end of the year, year old Joey Votto? You can't expect the MVP type numbers. The decline has been two years in a row now, and that's Okay it's okay. It's not one of those situations where he's 27 years old and it's this huge issue. You know, he's, Mm -hmm. they've already got more value out of his contract than we we could have hoped for. So I don't think he's going to come back and have the numbers like he did when he had, what was it? 36 or whatever home runs he had his MVP season, 2017. Um, but he did have, you know, he hit 261 last year, the 357 on base, which was second on the team. Um, he still, you know, sees the ball well, can get on base. He was a good fielder last year, too, which he's been yeah. up and down in terms of a fielder year to year. I don't expect him, like I said, to jump and say, you know, he's not going to age like Nelson Cruz has, where Cruz is still, you know, hitting bombs at 39 Madison, yeah. years old. Yeah. Um, but another thing... The thing about Votto is there's a lot less pressure, I think, because they're surrounding the team with a lot more offensive weapons. You know, you don't have to have Joey Votto in every situation. You know, when you bring in upgraded offense, it can take some pressure off of him. Now, where he will bat, um, he batted a lot of second and the two hole, so we'll see where he bats. But um, it would be great if the Reds can get a bounce back here from him and even see. I think he's projected around six to 15 or 16 home runs, which is about what he's hit the past two years. So something in that ballpark and um, really just staying healthy and providing that leadership at this point of, it kind of reminds me of the Ryan Howard situation in Philly right, right. where like he was so beloved and then he's going <laughs> to have decreasing years. That's what happens when you get older. It's it's yep. very simple to understand, but fans start to kind of remember him as oh man he can't do x y and z anymore instead of wow he did x y and z
0: right right so let's talk about where you see the reds finishing um next season in the nl central obviously the cubs have kind of had a very inactive um offseason so far as they kind of await uh what happens with chris bryant um obviously i think they're going to look to move him probably before spring training but other than that they've had a very kind of quiet offseason. The Pirates seem to be kind of uh, in a rebuilding mode. Um, You know, the Brewers have kind of done what the Brewers always do. They kind of fill gaps here and there. Um, You know, the Cardinals are obviously still going to be pretty good. Where do you see the the Reds fitting into that whole
1: uh, division next season? Right. Um, Obviously, there's still huge moves to be made. Um, It's still early, but just for the sake of discussion, you know, who gets Ozuna? He's, you know, He's been floated around with rumors, like you said, Chris Bryant. I think what we know for sure is that the Cardinals compete every year. The Cubs have talent. Pittsburgh is definitely in a rebuild. And the Brewers are kind of in this strange limbo right now, a move Mm -hmm. away from either direction. Um, I think the Reds have definitely gotten better, but I don't think that... I hate to say this, I don't think that they've been pushed necessarily yet to the top of the division. I don't see them. Um, I think they can get around eighty-five wins, eighty-six, maybe eighty-seven. Yeah. Um, which, if that wins the division, that wins the division. Just, I just think there's still so many moves by the Cubs and maybe the Cardinals that could still happen that could trickle down. But then again, the Reds still have moves to make as well you can't right now they have 10 outfielders on their 40 man roster. That's not how you play baseball. So that's, there's a move coming. Um, Yeah. So
0: that, that kind of leads me to the last, to my next question Then is is what moves do you see the Reds potentially making? You know, is it a deal for Len, uh, Lindor? Is it, you know, what, what, what do these, what would these moves look like?
1: Right. Sure. There's going to, there's going to be small moves as teams like the Reds always do. You bring a lot of non-roster players in. a couple of them make the team, um, the glaring need right now is the bullpen hasn't really been addressed too much. Definitely need to strengthen the bullpen. Right now, the only lefties in the bullpen are an- or Amir Garrett, who is incredible, was great last year, and Cody Reed, who was good last year but was injured a lot, kind of an up and down. They got him the Johnny Cueto trade years back with Kansas City. Right. That's it. Um, Josh Smith was brought in, but he hasn't proven yet. Um, so I think they're going to definitely add another lefty in the bullpen and additional bullpen up as well there's been a lot of talk about improving the catcher the past two off seasons but i think they're going to stay in path there and i'm okay with barnhart and Casale. that that's a you know pretty good one too sure um i think the obvious need is to figure out what they're going to do in the outfield and Do they upgrade from Freddie Galvis at shortstop, which I think most people would say you need to upgrade (laughs) (laughs) from Freddie Galvis at shortstop. Um, So what does that look like? Just to kind of break down the outfield, Jesse Winker and Nixon's old, probably the two biggest locks, most proven outfielders on this roster. Right. Um, I'm not going to talk about um, Shogo because we already talked to him earlier, but Those two guys seem the most likely to have the highest trade value right now. So if you're going to trade an outfielder to get a Lindor, Seager, or a shortstop, those two are probably going to be talked about. Right. Um, Phillip Irvin can carve out a role, maybe platooning, hitting against lefties because Jesse Winker cannot hit a lefty. Um, And then you have players like Scott Schebler, who I don't see him lasting much longer. Sure. On this roster, a couple of non-roster invitee type guys, Travis Jankowski, Nick Martini are recent additions that are kind of fringe players. And then you have um, Aquino, who had the historic, incredible, yep. probably the most exciting event in the past few years in Reds history, right. the month of August, where he just hit the cover off the ball. And then he came back in September and hit like 129 and just really struggled. Yep. So He's kind of that wild card of... Okay, is he a late bloomer? Was August real? Was September real? No one knows. So it's very uncomfortable to bring him in, thinking, okay, 150 games in right field for Aquino. I don't think that would be smart. Right. Um, so I think right now, I mean, you're looking. You could add Azuna in the outfield. Um, it, but trade. I think a trade would happen before anything else.
0: So you would be comfortable trading uh, somebody like Senzel then, or, or Winker?
1: Right. Um, I mean, it's always I I have debates like this all the time with people on Twitter, yeah. fans, yeah. and the biggest issue that a lot of people struggle to realize is you know to have to acquire a top notch player, you have to give up top notch talent. Right. Um, and that's just something you're going to have to learn to deal with. And you know, yeah, a lot of people love to do the. Oh, let's get Lindor and just package, you know, prospect number seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> like that's just not how that yeah, yeah, works. No, that
0: doesn't that um, doesn't happen. Yeah,
1: right. It sounds good in theory, and like on a video game that works, and you worry about <laughs> it later. But like this isn't a video game. So yeah, Zell is one of those players that will probably draw the most um, interest just because he's versatile. He's like third, second, he's athletic, he's young, he's six years of control. Right. Top forward, top ten prospect, number two overall pick. Would I be willing to trade him? Yes, if the deal is right. Um, I would hate to see that much control go. He has had some injury problems, and everyone's rebuttal to that is, well, none of the injuries are linked. It's not you know arm after arm after arm injury. It's it's strange though. It's vertigo stuff. It's right. broken thumb. It's just you know and. I'm sure, you know, Cup Strands can tell you like a Mark Pryor type, you know, these people who just somehow always get injured, but have all right. the talent in the world. It's frustrating. Um, and it's nothing he can really control. So trading Nick Sinzel would be tough. And it would, I actually did a poll on my Twitter if you would trade Sinzel in a package for Lindor, and it had somewhere around 1,500 votes, and it literally was 5248. Like, so. It's almost impossible to please any fans. You know, everyone will have split. Jesse Winker brings probably a lot less trade value, not because right. he's that much worse of a player, just he's more limited. Um, He just seems like the perfect DH type, it's just because he's not a great fielder. Sure, But he gets on base, he hits the cover off right-handed pitchers, and he's still young. He's 26 years old, so... You know, he's not somebody who's dwindling and hasn't been proven. He has battled some injuries as well, but he's, I think, shown enough in the MLB to definitely be a, uh, you know, a coveted player by another team.
0: And you're talking about, talking about Senzel, too. It's like, you know, you're talking about his kind of freak injury history. Uh, You know, now might be the time to trade him while he still has value, too. Because if you talk about trading him next offseason when maybe he only played you know in 80 games or 70 games because of whatever injury he's going to lose his value so i think senzel's value is probably at its highest right now
1: yeah i actually wrote an article a while back for locked on reds about trading nick senzel and if you should even be open to it or not and the whole article was you should be because the greatest value a player can bring to the field is being on the field right you know you can if you can't get on the field the value means nothing so Although he is a great player and a talented young player, versatility, um, and the Reds typically like to try to keep those homegrown talent like that. Right now, it just seems like the writing's kind of on the wall. If he's not going to play center, they're going to move him again. Right. They they can't move him to second. Moose was just signed. Um, some fans say to move him to short. They tried that in spring training. It lasted, I think a couple of game, one or two games. Yeah. Um, that doesn't seem likely. And for developing a young player, you don't want to move him positions no. all the time. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. It definitely just, when you look at the roster, I mean, it's, it doesn't take much sense to realize, oh, there's 10 or 11 outfielders. There's four or five that are pretty close to each other in terms of talent, age and value. Right this is not just going to be a we cut somebody at the end of spring situation.
0: Right. Right. So we'll, we'll look to see how that, how that ends up shaking out then. So, uh, to close out, give me your top five, uh, favorite Reds players of all time it Could be past,
1: past or present. Okay. So I thought about trying to get just five. So I actually did five, former and five current. Okay, cool. Um, And this is an order, but I could switch up the order depending on the hour I made it. Really, it's so hard. Barry Larkin, Johnny Bench, Jay Bruce, Brandon Phillips, Eric Davis. Nice. Those were my past. Current, Suarez, Amir Garrett, Jesse Winker, Luis Castile. And then a really kind of almost random um, that probably a lot of people don't know is actually Kyle Farmer. Okay. He, I just love, uh, he's Pincher, he came over in the Dodgers deal. He can play, he's played catcher, shortstop, first, second, outfield. I mean, he can do everything and he's just a really, really solid, just what I like to just categorize, just a baseball player.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That Jay Bruce pick pick is interesting. I always thought that Bruce was kind of a fan favorite, uh, fan favorite amongst Reds, uh, Reds fans too. That's, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Bruce had an interesting career too, of ups and downs at times and, um, Near the end of it, watching him run for a fly ball in right field was extremely painful to watch. <laughs> uh, right, right. And
0: they, um,
1: they really didn't get much of anything for him. Dilson Herrera, who flaked out and is now in, I think, the Orioles system. So, right. Um, but you know, he hit the home run in 2010 that sent them to the playoffs. That clinched right. the series. Just sent them to the playoffs. That alone was um, just such a memorable moment for so many people and. Um, it just carries a special place for a lot of Reds fans who have really been struggling to find a lot of positives recently.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Claiborne, where can people find you on Twitter, on Instagram, etc.? Where can people find Locked On Reds, all that good stuff?
1: Sure. Um, Locked On Reds is a daily podcast by Jeff Carr, and it has a Twitter. You can just type in Locked On Reds on Twitter. Um, it also has an Instagram under the same name. Um, I'm at clay underscore reds and uh, you can follow me on twitter there as well perfect
0: thanks clay i appreciate you hopping on and spending some time and uh let's go reds in uh, 2020 let's see what happens absolutely thank you all so much so that'll just about do it for this edition episode nine of big league chewing a baseball podcast i want to thank my guest claiborne snowden from locked on reds for joining me don't forget to give me a follow at ChewingCast on Twitter, at Big League Chewing on Instagram, and be sure to give me a nice little review on Apple iTunes or Apple Music, whatever they're calling it these days, if you see fit. I appreciate the love, all the support. Thank you guys. I will see you guys very soon.